Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey everyone, it is the Red Men Originals podcast with me, Paul Machen, Chris Page, Chloe Bloxham, Dan Club. Heavy conversations going on around the merits of tattoos at the moment because uh, Toffee TV have just live-streamed one of their underlings being tattooed. Um Peb bullies him into getting a second. Cool. Wild. I know. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny old day in the midst of an international break, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we've, we've, got got yeah. <laughs> we've got nothing to talk about. Uh, so imagine what Toffee TV got going on. Oh, they've got takeover stuff, you'd think. Um, okay. We, that was the title of the video. Was it? Yeah, it was like Tattoo Takeover. and... Ned then they added, they added the tattoo stuff in afterwards. It's yeah. it a separate stream, aren't yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, um, yeah, they're occupying themselves anyway. They're keeping themselves happy, whatever it takes. Um, we are going to be discussing the... Head's going to do the third tattoo. Oh, gonna- I'm amazed they have not bullied into... into I, I genuinely thought that was what was going to happen. He was going to come in and start tattooing people. <laughs> I... Well, yeah, it's a good job you haven't got an HR department, that's all I'll say. Um, right, so we're going to be discussing the next seven for Liverpool. When the international break uh, is over, the Reds are back in action. There's a run of seven games until the next international break. Um, and we're going to have a look at them, four in the league, three in the cup, uh, and have a little chat around the obstacles facing the Reds in that. And then in part two, we'll see how well that goes. There might be a bit of overspill, but we'll have a little bit of a chat about the director of football news as well. So, yes. Um... Yeah, as mentioned, because four league, three cup on paper, it's a pretty nice run of fixtures. But anything from it particularly stand out for the, you? The derby, funnily enough, yeah. being the twelve thirty kickoff, of um, is the is the main one. Although, if it wasn't a derby, if it was just any other club playing Everton, you'd think that they would probably win the game. Um, Jurgen's shown so much sort of disrespect to Everton in his lineups over the last few <laughs> years, which I think hurts them more than anything. Yeah. I, I kind of enjoy that that sort of need, extra needle that's given to the derby by Jurgen. <laughs> I, I think Liverpool are miles better and will be better than Everton and it should be a game where we win quite comfortably to be honest with you and after that I'm looking at all of these fixtures thinking we can win every single game here if it's if that's what we want to do I think the only reason we wouldn't win seven is maybe we make a couple too many changes yeah. for the games that maybe we see as don't matter quite as much yeah which could be the derby, because you're right. I, there's, I think there's a thing, Dan, where Jürgen often has looked at Everton over the years and gone, they they know their shit as well. Mm-hmm. So if I put out a weakened team, it's basically telling them that every worst fear they have about their own abilities is true. And it actually, whereas some football clubs would be emboldened, going, here's our chance here. They go, oh God, we're so bad that he won't even play as good players against us you know like Pedro Caravella sat rubbing his hands in anticipation waiting for the call up um, so yeah I, I, I agree with Chris's point I think that I think for me the Merseyside derby but actually the Bournemouth League Cup game which is sort of in the middle of this it will totally depend on what we're trying to do they might be the, the Bournemouth in particular might be the thing that's the stumbling block to win in all seven because what team do you put out for that game yeah quite possibly before go I just want to say nice use of needle a moment ago Chris when we just saw the tattoos that was really <laughs> well done yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah absolutely right. it never ceases to amaze me really the disrespect that Jürgen Klopp has sort of placed on the derby since his arrival in terms of the teams he's put out it shocked me almost every time the FA Cup one when obviously Curtis Jones gets that win that team was just ridiculous like yeah. I, I, was it Levucci sort of left back and 
people who just never seen that. Phillips came back from Stuttgart for a game yes. and then went back to Germany. It's just outrageous what he's done in the past and he's continued to do that. And Solanke led the line once. <laughs> yeah, just nuts teams. Like, yeah, you, you constantly start a Vigi apart from the one way he comes off the bench and scores the winner, of course. But yeah, I think in terms of what's coming next, it will be interesting and it is a friendly looking sort of set of fixtures before the next international break of course the half 12 thing is definitely a thing the fact that the derby adds a little bit of extra spice to it of course but there's a couple of enforced changes in terms of we're not quite sure whether Gakpo will be ready for this weekend and stuff like that and obviously the Robertson injury layoff is going to mean we're going to see a lot of Timakas but again it's a kind set of fixtures to see Timakas in for me so yeah it's all sort of stacked in Liverpool's favour for a little while and it will be interesting to see how Klopp goes about the rotation and that but I think the League Cup game with Bournemouth and the fact that Toulouse is a double header and the fact it's obviously the Europa League that again means that you can afford to rest and rotate and be clever with what you've got and we've got five attacking options when Gakpo is back and we've been relatively lucky and fortunate it looks like with his sort of prognosis and how long he's going to be out so yeah I'm extremely confident heading into this next set of games because I see no reason whereby we can't come out of this with an absolutely unblemished perfect record mm. I've got one major question for anyone who's watching live on YouTube for us what do you think Dan's drink is don't tell them I want to get some I want to get some answers in the comments here because I've got to be honest with you I've got no fucking idea. Nobody it gets looks it, like peach juice or something mental. I reckon it's me. high in electrolytes. It smells really good. Nobody answers that right. I think it looks like, you know when you're at a dentist and you have to take a drink and yeah. then like, yeah. it just falls out And it's in the same like, yeah. cup nice. as yeah, well. It's really it? nice, by the way, but if anyone gets it right then. It looks like the colours of the used now to advertise sanitary pads, to be honest, but we'll, uh, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, um... Tastes like it. <laughs> Is uh, it a prime? No, it's not a plan. Does... It's his little sachets. Before we crack on to how optimistic we feel, I thought it'd be an interesting thought experiment or memory experiment. Who can remember the starting 11 from that FA Cup game? The, so, of course, Curtis Jones scores the winning goal. Yeah. Can you... Go on, should we have a bash at trying to name the starting Shikiri? 11? Well, let's start with the goalkeeper. Yes. Let's rather yeah. than just start, oh. rather than just like you know, <laughs> just name a random player. The only one that came to me at the time. Who's in there? wasn't wasn't Keevan. Wasn't too nope. young. It couldn't have been him. Twenty. This is of course January twenty eighteen. Yeah, I, I went. I was there. Um, Mignolet. No. No. So Carius. Wasn't Carius either. Don't think. Who else did we? Brad Jones. When did he leave? Wasn't him. Wasn't him. Oh. Well, he's well gone. I mean, actually, the BBC website have got this very wrong because they've got the same goalie. I think on the bench is in there. I can't be right. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna verify this. Carry on. Yeah, LFC history. Who else was knocking around? Was it can't have been Ali? Can it? Who else was knocking around? Not the one who went to Leicester. Danny, Danny Ward. Ward. Wasn't him. Well, this is what I'm getting verified because I can't see how. I mean, it's definitely not the player that the BBC website have got on. So I'm just going to quickly. There, there's Casper Schmeichel or something. <laughs> the other is very confident that it wasn't. The other is Adrian, and Adrian didn't. Join us until the league, year one the league. The year one the league. That Norwich yeah. game when Allison got hurt. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm just going to double check that. Go on, go through some other. Go th- who was right back? Was Joey Gomez in our first team? Joe Gomez was in the team. Yeah, yeah correct. Did Phillips start? Then he was at the right back. I think I'm pretty sure that Phillips did start yeah. that one. And he was definitely there on the, on the day. He's married on the bench. Klein, I tell I, it was, it was actually. Um, oh no, wait, Klein yeah, was still at that Trent. point. Klein would have been around. He scored the. He played against United, didn't he? At one London game. Just... I'm unconvinced that this is the team. Now that I'm looking at it, I'm sorry, so no, confused. I'm it... sorry, I've confused myself. Let's move on. Um, the um, <laughs> great segment, Paul. Great segment. <laughs> <laughs> Fully prepared. Um, uh, I need to know that. No, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's not okay. Great TV, this place. Yeah. Good process. I'm, I'm even better. It's even better there. <laughs> Radio. Um, Robinson, someone's guessing in the comments. Jack Robinson. No, no the, the drink. drink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, well gone. <laughs> no, it's not Robinson's. Is that summer food somebody for that video? Yeah. Uh, no, but that's what I've got <laughs> over there. Okay. You know what? Everyone's let me down here, mainly me. Um, Jan- 5th of January 2018, right? That was when it was. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds Van Dyke right. played, no, didn't he? I don't know when it was. Was, it, was, that, was, it? was that Van Dyke's de- debut? That was, that was Van Dyke. Van after that. It was a couple of years after that. 20, what? 28, the 5th oh of January, God. 2018. Curtis Jones that winner. Was... No, it was after that. Was it after that? Yeah, yeah. Van Dyke. Van Dyke scored Van Dyke in that game. Two one. Joined, that was it when... was the 6th of January, 2020. Yeah. 
Oh wow! Okay, cool. Well, that makes more. Because that was the one. Yeah, the, 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 that idiot BBC. The idiot to BBC. Yeah. So, Adrian in goal. <laughs> okay. Wow. I really remember that as being. I'm thinking of the of a completely different game. Before. Yeah, we know. Van Dijk there. Yeah. And I'm not even I'm sure if the Jones game. started that game, did he? Nope. No, 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 he started this game. Jesus Christ. No, started that the game. one you were talking about. No, 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 no. clarify what game are we actually talking about? You've done a Chris Page. 2020. 2020, Chris Jones winner. 2020. Oh. Right, okay, Shams. In goal. <laughs> Adrian. Adrian, shock. Right back. Have we said him? I can't remember. You've said a lot of things <laughs> and I've been looking through 15 web pages trying to verify my own stupidity here. Joe Gomez played, but yeah. did not play right back. He played centre back alongside yeah. Nat Phillips. Yeah, okay, yeah. So Left back was Larucci. Milner. No, Larucci was the the other one. With, was the other one? I think. Oh, was he? Milner, left back. Okay. Right back. A Dutch lad. No. Keanu Hoover. No. Keanu Hoover. No, he played in Wolves in the FA Cup. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Same. This is Klein. Nope. Trent. Nope. Therefore. Nico Williams. Nico Williams. Oh. Defensive midfielder. We've said him already. Who's that? Trevaya. Trevaya. Yeah, yeah. Flanked by Curtis Jones. Yeah. What shirt number was Curtis Jones wearing? <laughs> 48. Uh, Adam Lalana. Yeah. Yeah. The front three. Harvey Elliott. Harvey Elliott. Then we started. Um. I was really excited to watch him. It's a Merseyside derby. Divock Divock Origi. Shakiri. No. Not a lot for Shakiri. Oh, yeah. Um, That's Luis Diaz. Tacky? No. Tacky Minamino. Well done, Chris Pajak. Well done. Good shout. Side eye there. Just got it. That's Scorpio. I didn't touch it up. Bench, Mane, Henderson, Oxley Chamberlain, Rian Brewster, Keanu Hoover, Quiven Kelleher. And Yasser Larucci. I knew he was around. After that. <laughs> I absolutely was convinced Larucci was knocking around that day. <laughs> yeah, Did Milner go off injured? That's entirely possible. Um, <laughs> what's your juice? Oh, it is a little sachet with like vitamins and stuff. And I think it's like elderberry and raspberry flavour. Oh, God. Rhubarb sorry, juice, yes. guest pear, plu. It's got a bit of a rhubarb juice vibe oh. to it. Um, it's God, we should have just got someone tattooed here, shouldn't we? Fucking hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I um, I think we've got an opportunity here, Chloe, with these running games. To and it's kind of the reason behind the title of this. We could be qualified from the group. You you win your games against Toulouse back to back. That puts you on twelve points, um, which should be comfortably through by that point. Four league wins. I would be amazed if the other clubs who are in top four are able to if all of them are able to match that so we should be in a healthy position in that regard and again it boils down to the League Cup then and how arsed we are what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on that yeah I think the League Cup's a, a big thing because to the likes of Spurs and that they just want to win a trophy um, and I'm not having that they all believe that they're going to win the Premier League um, so for them they might go stronger than Liverpool do and that could hurt them um, for other games in and around that time but yeah it's it's a, a nice run of fixtures after a really tough start for Liverpool and to say with three points off top after playing some really big teams away from home um, it, 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 I've, I've really missed the Reds and I'm, I'm happy that they're coming back it's that simple um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it I'm going to enjoy it the Everton game obviously it being a half 12 kickoff, and most of our players being all across the world is a little bit of a worry Um not the opposition but more so the fact that everyone is just dotted around the world um, and, and some of them don't come back till till late obviously the, the South Americans uh, Brentford is another one where you know Brentford seem to have kind of sorted us out a little bit they, they, they know how to bully us um, the, the big from set pieces but the rest of those teams um, I really like the look of them and a lot of them are, are at home as well which is a big thing I think well it's important to that because I looked at that and went actually you know people are making light of this mm. but you know we've dropped points to all of those teams in recent in recent times it's all been away from home yeah. and that's that's where the, 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 it is a different test you know Nottingham Forest there's revenge to be done at the city ground there there's revenge at whatever the hell Brentford are calling their stadium these days you know there's a bit to be done at the, in the derby but at home 
that should it should work it should work to our favour. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it plays into our favour uh, in terms of sort of on paper, in terms of who we're up against and the opponents, the, the kind fixtures, and then you add in the fact that a lot of them are at Anfield, and it really couldn't have been much kinder. Just on the League Cup, I I think we will heavily rotate, but I think Bournemouth might have to rotate as well because they're looking over the shoulder to relegation, so their priorities are different. Like you mentioned, Tottenham there, and they will be after silverware. Bournemouth will look at this and go, see, it's a bit of a distraction, really, and a bit in the way as opposed to what yeah. they want. So I think it'd be two rotated sides going head to head, and in that instance, we should win that game. So uh, again, I. I see no reason why we can't be clever with what we do over the next few weeks while continuing to win football matches. And you can almost, we haven't done it enough this season, in my opinion, sort of getting the ascendancy and getting the box seat and have it all wrapped up nicely in a, nicely in a bow by the 60 minute mark. And then you can take your lads off. We've not done that anywhere near enough. But this set of fixtures coming up and the fact that we're at Anfield and all that sort of stuff does suggest to me that there are opportunities to go, right, that game's done by the hour mark. Get the lads off and rest them. I think that, sorry, I think, I think we'll go a little bit stronger than normal in the Bournemouth game to be honest I think that draw is kind of opening up to us anyway I yeah. think yeah. you know no, um, who's, is it United and Newcastle well, is that, got is that one of the big fixtures there's there? the round of 16 fixtures so Arsenal West Ham's obviously massive Blackburn are going to knock Chelsea out Burnley will knock Everton out Man United <laughs> play Newcastle so it kind of opens up for us but I think moreover I don't think any of the games we've played so far this season he's gone as weak as people have thought going into those games mm-hmm. sure. and He's building Liverpool 2.0, you know, he's, he's coined that himself. And what better way to get everybody on board with something than winning a trophy early doors? And, and the fact that it is in, what, is it February now or late yeah, January, yes. whatever, it can just give everyone that we're on the right track. Because I don't think Jürgen truly believes that we're ready to win the Premier League this season yet. He'll be really happy with the promise that they've shown and, and everything else. And, you know, maybe maybe he secretly thinks there's a chance there. But you've got, we, we know winning breeds winning. So why don't you just get everybody on board and be like, you know, Gavin Birch, McAllister, Strobbers, like this is what it takes to win at Liverpool Football Club. Let's make sure that we don't lose our one opportunity of getting some silverware first thing. <laughs> There's definitely this thing of because the the quadruple challenge season is obviously falls flat on its face as we well know, but we're all you know happy to come away with the two domestic cups that year. But they felt like consolation prizes almost, and they can often mark the end of a club's spell where okay you can't challenge for the big honors anymore. So you, you manage will go and Hoover a bit. Wenger famously did that with Arsenal, couldn't get near the league. Go and grab a few FA cups and keep the good vibes going. Whereas actually this. You know, if we'd not done a rebuild, this that would feel a bit more like this. You know, and I don't think anyone would be asked if you look at the end of Klopp's reign and you can put all the trophies out in front of him that he's won, and there's two or three FA Cups and a couple of League Cups or whatever on there. Great, but if you do it with a new team. It feels like you're saying there, it's priming them for what comes next. It's like, it's rubber band and back up to being on top. It's not seen as so like, oh, well, we can't get anything else. So we're going to go for this. It's like, okay, well, we're maybe not ready for everything else, as you say. So let's, let's, let's teach it. Cause that, that winning mentality is, it's impossible to teach. You can train around it and you can, you can give people experience, you know, the benefits of experience from experienced players. But all of a sudden they thought that squad, you've been through the forge of going and winning a piece of silver and they've got that moment. Then hopefully that lights a touch paper and moves forward. So I like the notion of it, but, um, when you come to play Bournemouth in that midweek, it, it inevitably it's going to be dependent on who's there, who's fit, who's available. It's just an awkward game. The two lose stuff picks, it, it's fine because it's like, do you order business? So you get to go and do your travel and all that kind of thing. I, I, th- I, I think he, you know, early doors, of course, but I think he's more likely to rotate in that game because you're not getting knocked out then and there. That's mm. the that's the yeah. crux of it, isn't it? You get knocked out against Bournemouth and that's that done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas you can kind of rotate and to lose knowing that you've still got another couple of games to sort your problems out. Mm, that's an interesting point. Um, but ultimately, again, it's like we've seen in the last in the last week or two, you get a couple of injuries and a couple of suspensions and then you've got a decision between your front line being, you've only got, say you've only got Diaz, Nunes and Salah fit. You've then got that thing of like, well, how many of them are starting in the midweek? And that's when you know, I guess it's, look, it's a challenge for someone like Ben Doak or whatever to, to step up. But um, yeah, it's too early to predict exactly how it'll go. But I agree. There's no reason why Liverpool can't make a good a good fist of it. I was trying to get up the dates for the rest of the EFL Cup. I'm gonna, uh, give us a second. I'll, I will find them because 
I always go at this time every year. We normally get through that first round at least, and we're going okay, cool. cool. And you get through, and we get through the next one, and then you realise when they it's get like played. January, isn't it, mate? Well, it's always there's always like a two-legged semi-final well, in the middle always, of January. There's always Southampton with Southampton in the middle. <laughs> yeah, uh, and we didn't score a goal for three games. So the third round, as we've just seen, was the week commencing the twenty-fifth. This round four coming up is the week commencing the thirtieth of October. Quarterfinals, yep, the week commencing the eighteenth of December. Because yeah. we've been there before. Yeah, we came back off the World Cup to a League Cup game, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That got moved. It got yeah. moved to after Christmas this time. Whereas we've had this. This is where we had into the, all the problems with the Club World Cup and all that. It's always it's that, like the one, week yeah. leading up to the week oh, leading God, up to Christmas. Kind of game, yep. <laughs> um, semi-final first leg. We had a nice sing song. Week of the eighth okay. uh, and second legs week of the twenty-first of January. Um, yeah, it's when you're in it. I'm always like, yeah, go ahead. Go for it. When we're out, I go, not the bullet there. Imagine playing those stupid two-legged semi-finals in January instead of you know, having a week off to re- week off to recuperate. We'll see. We'll see how, how well it opens up. But I'm not against it. I like I liked going to Wembley and, and winning stuff. I'd like more of that. Um, let's let's circle back to the derby then, um, Chloe. Uh, they are rubbish, and they've been rubbish at Anfield for the longest of times. Dice hasn't actually got the worst record um, at Anfield. It's not a great. That record, belongs to Moyes, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, obviously, he was part of the. He was the Burnley manager that beat us during the COVID season and what have you. He's picked up a couple of draws and stuff uh, there and thereabouts. It would be nice for this to be one of those games where you know they've they're never far from teetering from the brink of absolute catastrophe. They've been playing or trying to play more football than I would expect from a Sean Dice side. He's never lost to us by more than two goals. Do you think this could be the game where that happens? I, I don't know. It depends if he changes his tactics because it's it, it's a derby. You you can't just come here and expect to play this boss football. Um, and look, I think they've been decent so far this season. I think Fulham and, and Wolves, they should have won those games. And it looks brilliant from their perspective up until you've got someone who needs to put it in the back of the net and at the very start when they had Neil Morpay up top um, they, they, weren't, they weren't scoring goals to win the games now it seems that they're starting to score goals and I think they can cause a couple of problems to Liverpool but it is if you come at us you are leaving space and you, you're helping us out we'd rather you come and attack us and us pick you apart than you sit 11 men behind the ball and frustrate us um, but I think Liverpool have a different mentality and I think they can face both uh, versions of what I know of Sean Dyche the new one and uh, the, the one that he had at Burnley where he did cause us problems from time to time so yeah I'm I don't know. I never like being too overconfident with derbies because it is still a derby. No matter how crap they are, I will still always fear the idea of losing to them because of how crap they are and how embarrassing that totally is. Um, but on top of that, I'd I'd love like they're gonna do fine this season. They're gonna escape relegation once again because teams are just somehow worse than that. I can't explain how lucky they've been in the last two three seasons, um, and they'll be fine. But it'd be good after you know. A, a decent run of form from their perspective for them to come and believe they have a chance against Liverpool and for Liverpool to just mop the floor with them that, that'd be boss I um, I don't think it will be more than two goals for what it's worth like yeah um, it just it always seems like it's really tough to get a, to get a win I think we've won three of the last five maybe we drew one nil nil in there and then obviously the one that they won um during covid and stuff but the other one was when virgil van dyke nearly lost a leg yeah they just seem to always make it difficult for us and we we always seem to struggle against them in those games for whatever reason it is to sort of create and stuff even like you you think about the last game i think it was cody gappo's first goal for us wasn't it what a brilliant counter-attack it was and you know we very nearly conceded a goal and it was only for darwin nunes basically legging the full end of the pitch and getting the assist for Mo Salah that really we, we were able to then get on top in that game um, so I think you know 2-0 I'd take 2-0 now 
And yeah. I'd be quite happy and comfortable yeah. oh, yeah. with 2 0, but I'd be surprised if it was more like. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It needs to just be a, a run-of-the-mill game. That, that's the point about this this upcoming set of fixtures. I'm, I'm here, by the way, for Liverpool, you know, smashing aside all of Sunday and doing, doing whatever, doing all that kind of stuff. But actually, I, I want us to start being ruthless. I'd like us to just have some functional... 2-0 wins 2-0 you know a bit more like you don't go 1-0 down well yeah that would help <laughs> measurably like but you know that, that you know I can't remember how the how the, I, how I the wouldn't the mind game one of went, our 3-1ers like that though against them yeah just to give them the hope and then take it away I could do with a break with them I'll be honest <laughs> well, with after, after this game yeah I'm fine <laughs> well, I could do with a little I'm ready for Liverpool to flex their muscles by this point now this season like I've seen glimpses of what we're about but I haven't seen it in sort of full flow yet I'm ready for Liverpool it can be at the weekend if it wants to be against Everton that'd be absolutely fine but in, in this sort of upcoming six week spell I'm ready to see us really say okay you've seen a little bit of what we're about now now look at this that's that's where I see us and I think people are just starting to sort of take us seriously again in terms of like title talk and trophy talk and whatever so people from outside of Liverpool circles obviously because we've always thought that was the case but yeah I would really want us now to do a couple of run-of-mill wins whereby it's just dead easy and it's dead straightforward and the game's done and dusted, like I say. But I do want us to just say, look what we're really about and your Sabozlai, your Salas, your Nunez, just have a field day against someone. Yeah, and I, I look, no one's going to turn that down, are they? But I think there's... And we're we going to do more on the other top four teams on the Bias uh, Football Podcast, which follows this on Redmen Plus, because I, I think it's important to put us into context. It's not just us. It's obviously how the teams are doing. But there's something to us just being a bit boring and I mean by we can enjoy the games of course we'll enjoy the wins but I just get in a string of just absolutely fine but non-extraordinary wins one nils two nils shutouts clean sheets so that sorry, yeah, sorry you can jump in, jump in on this but it's because I think someone like Spurs, they're flying by the seat of the pants they're having great loads of great fun us just go just to be you know, there's no there's not even a sniff of oh Liverpool might drop something here I'd like us to kind of put those foundations in it's like with Manchester City where you see them win and it's like it's boring <laughs> like can't be bothered with it and if Liverpool can become that team where everyone around us looks and sees Liverpool 1-0 up can't be bothered like we, we like that's what you, you kind of want yeah. and I get so bored with Manchester City because it's the same they're just a machine um, up up until the Arsenal game, obviously. Um, up and until Rodri's suspension, yes. <laughs> um, and and like I hope I hope Liverpool can do that, but also I think the Everton game is extremely important to the next set of fixtures because this is to set the tempo. We've had two games, one where it's just not gone our way, and like there's not, and you, you can't blame the lads for that. Um, we've had been quite unlucky in that game, but then another game where you know. Brighton were coming off like a 6-1 loss against Villa. They'd managed to claw it back in the Europa League and you expected Liverpool to put a stamp on that game. And instead, we kind of looked a shell of ourselves. We looked a little bit scared to go to the Amex Stadium and face Brighton. Um, so I think this... The, we need three points out of the Everton game. You can't play the occasion and we've got a new set of uh, lads in there who might just do that. You've really got to hope that they don't play the occasion and, and treat it as any other game. Let the fans do that. The, the atmosphere will speak for itself. You can thrive yourself off that. Um, but I think it's very important because if we come out of that game and we've dropped points, I think we all sit here and we think, should have beat them. Look at where they are on the table. They've got to look at who they've got on the pitch. Look at who we've got on the pitch. Look at the teams around us and who they're facing. Um, so I, I think Liverpool need three points out of that. Yeah. that I that think yeah, part of Jurgen Klopp's strategy of just playing shitter sides against Everton has always been to take the occasion out of it. Mm -hmm. It's like you know you put your best side out and you almost acknowledge that this is a different game. Whereas he just looks at them and goes, "This shit." So I'm not going to play my start eleven. Yeah, and then it almost just takes the legs out of it yeah. straight if away. If I was playing any other team who was 15th, 16th in the league, I would treat them. As such, I'm not treating this like it's Man City just because it's the Merseyside derby. Yeah, and that's I think it's always it's, that's why he's done yeah. it essentially. And I think going back onto your points, I think it's right. I think you know a couple of just sort of two 0 wins, no headlines. Don't want Liverpool over the back of the papers. <laughs> don't want journalists talking. About, don't want to talk about VAR. Just want Liverpool to rack up three points and three points and three points and stop 
letting teams think that they can score against us and the game's going to descend into a madness of some kind that Liverpool have to claw themselves out of or it doesn't go against us. We just need to win and just keep winning and winning and winning. That's what we did when we won the league. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, the, it was punctuated by those mental ones, of course. But for the most part, we didn't play great. We won loads of games. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. You just find it's the title winning form, sort of the cliche, isn't it? The thing for me on this run of games is that while none of these, and the, the, the big challenge that comes with this is a really odd one to say for people who maybe don't, you know, haven't been to Anfield loads, but it's the fact that there aren't any headline, and the derby would notwithstand the atmosphere will be amazing at the weekend. But it's those bunch of teams where there's an expectation that you're going to win and how do you G yourself up? So it's not going to be a cauldron for the, you know, all but the Merseyside derby of the, of the Anfield games there. So it's on the team actually to go and put the performance in on the pitch, go and give the people something to something to cheer about. It's um, unfortunate, but that's right. Yeah, it's just how football, like, it's how football yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. I'd love, I'd love it to be the other way around where every single game, the, you know, the, the ground is completely made up to be there and they're singing loud and that. But unfortunately, football has changed and maybe people misremember it anyway. You do need the team in these games and, and hopefully they're able to put it I in there. I saw a great conversation about this off the back of people talking about one of the games in midweek. I think it might have been the, the League Cup game or something uh, but no it was the last game for the international anyway anyway, the most recent game in Anfield and it was it was we were going oh, the atmosphere this the atmosphere that and I saw a couple of lads going pointing out matches from the past where in those equivalent games you get like 20,000 people in Anfield mm-hmm. whereas we sell out but the atmosphere is not great so you're right people definitely misremember, misremember that it was always this like bear pit atmosphere in Anfield it wasn't it's only under Jürgen Klopp that it's even half decent in those games it comes from an expectation of winning so when we've got something to fight against the atmosphere is always bigger because you you know you, you feel like you're fronting up their team you're fronting up their fans so I would great in your big European occasions because there's a, there's an extra added pride to it all um, but it's almost a bit like it's a bit when you think you're really good and you play a team that you don't think is as good there's a bit of an embarrassment in like rubbing it in their faces somehow that like you know it's, it's weird but that's a, that's another stupid psychological hurdle this team's going to have to overcome it's great when everyone's behind you but when you're the ones you've got to drag the fans along with you that's an extra 10% that needs to come into your game that- That'll also improve though if Liverpool are in title race. Eighteen nineteen, even though we all thought we were a great football team, I don't think anyone thought we could challenge Manchester City for the title. Um and it, it turns out we, we did. We took them to the brink. We obviously we I think we all thought in a two legged Champions League game, yeah, we, we could have them here. But in, in the league over the course of, of the the amount of games you had to play and how much they were just a robot at it. I don't think Liverpool fans truly believed we could. And I think it's maybe a little bit like, I think no one expects us to be a title challenge inside this season. We hoped for it. And maybe we we at least hope to be back in the top four, second place maybe. But I don't think anyone's thought that, you know, we could really go toe to toe. And the more that the players start getting you to believe that and putting in the performances, the more Bournemouth at home is, oh my God, we need to get behind the car because we need to keep on the toes of, of Arsenal of Spurs at the moment of Manchester City so if the, if the players can drag the fans through the games at the, the start of the yeah. season where it's a bit like meh and you just expect to win later on in the season if you're in a title race that's when you realise how important this it is. This is just part of the foundations of building a successful season isn't it you know what I mean you've got to go through these bits where, where we always call it in the in, in, in our work like we're entering the grind period now when you get through the initial opening optimism of the new season all of a sudden you're playing two games a week and it actually becomes a bit like where you know where, you know, where it never stops there's always something it's always the next game move on move on two games a week and then you get into November, December, you get that, then it's December comes in, you've also got Christmas, so that's great. You've got the little respite of the start to get some transfer rumours back in again. But this is the period where you just play football. You just play football twice a week and you've got to win twice a week to be able to kind of, or less so in, in Europe because you can afford to drop points there, but you just got to put a good run together. And I think it's actually typified this year by the fact that we've got City after the next international break. Chris, what time kick-off? Hmm. <laughs> if you had to guess, if you don't know what time Liverpool are playing Manchester City after an international break, have a guess in the comments uh, section with us. Um, well done, you all got that right. Yeah, you all got that right, yeah. Um, I like the fact that, you know, all things Chloe sort of said there and we, what we've been talking about so far, these aren't headline games of football, uh, but, uh, <laughs> apart from the Mesa Derby. 
but you've got City at the end and if you want that game to matter then these games have to matter in yeah, the build up well, listen when we were having the discussion then about the, the atmosphere and stuff I couldn't help but think if we were top it would be completely different because yeah. mm. we'd have something to lose you know and if we can get to the end of this seven games and we are maybe top of the league table then everything is just ramped up mm-hmm. and that's when Liverpool are at the best under Jurgen Klopp isn't it and when we're as fans probably at our best when we've got something to lose someone's out to take something off us yeah. type of a thing that's brilliant isn't it so if we can get Manchester City and we're top of the table and we can make it a six point gap or something like that I mean that's the type of stuff that you live for as a fan isn't it yeah no absolutely absolutely agree on that one I um, I want that City game to, to mean something you know because it's every time we've been in a title race and the time that we won the title that game was vitally important and like at the moment Guardiola thinks I think Guardiola thinks it's the Arsenal game and that, that was evidenced by how he approached that game the other week and it fell flat you know deflect the goal he gets a bit unlucky with it of course but he only ever plays like that he plays a more defensive brand of football when he knows that he's he's strategically building a title win when he does that and often we see him come to Anfield and do the same I want that I want him to come and show us too much respect because you know we're breathing right down the neck of the of the, of, of the you know whoever's top of the league at that point um, but you know we're seven we're seven you know, okay four league but we're a good stretch of football away from that what I want from all of this is Liverpool to have this in as much of their hands as possible by the time yeah. we get there because it is interesting because we forget sometimes that all these other teams have got football games to play as well and yeah we're going to be doing a deeper dive uh, not a deep dive that's a different show this guy <laughs> uh, as well um, we're going to be doing a deeper we're going to have a, a more in-depth look um, at the fixtures uh, in this run for all of those other top four teams as well over on the Bias Football Podcast you can come and join us over there uh, pretty about 10-15 minutes after we finish this we'll be live on redmenplus.com um I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have a little chat around uh, the director of football and just the general sense that maybe Liverpool as a football club might be stabilising a little bit um, right after this break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Yes, grab yourself a Redmen Christmas jumper while you can. Very limited edition. Head to redmenmerch.com and get involved. And people have started to arrive. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've seen a few people saying they've got theirs and they are delighted, as you would be naturally. They the are quality stunning. is absolutely brilliant. Like, yeah, it, they are. are brilliant. And if you are like wondering about it, thinking about your Christmas party and stuff, and you're not maybe in the UK or even if you're in the UK, get it sorted now. Uh, we know it's ridiculously early, but like. Let's say you're in America and it arrives and it doesn't quite fit. You need time to be able to do that exchange, don't you? So we are thinking of you. Get your order in now um, and we'll be able to sort you If you think it's ridiculously early now, bear in mind it's been like two weeks we've been selling these. So it's not as ridiculously early now as it was two weeks. So when that's gone like a flash, yeah. it'll hey, be so Christmas two weeks you know. ago, not us today. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it'll be Christmas before you know. When can me and Dan come in on ours? When is it acceptable? I guess it's up to us, really. You but- can literally wear it whenever you want, Chloe. I can't say we won't 
like go, what the fuck are you I, doing? <laughs> Walking around at a Christmas jumper in October. But I mean, the sun is blinding me through the windows. Like, <laughs> so I think it might be the same. It has been the first cold, proper cold day today, though. So, yeah, you know, it's, yeah it's just <laughs> still in his shorts, of course. Staying down both rock up in shorts today. Mental. Fair enough. Um, just let, let in mind. Let's, let's do uh, yeah absolutely uh, let's do football direct the stuff Dan you're, you've probably got your finger on the pulse of this more than more than most uh, we saw Max Ebel Abel Abel mm-hmm. thank you um, yeah. former Leipzig uh, DOF linked yeah. with the role uh, the Athletic have said that senior Anfield figures have played down reports that he's considering the job. What's your where, where are you at with this? Yeah, I was really excited by the Abel stuff last week. He would be yeah yeah he would be very high on the list of candidates that I would like to see come in and do the job at Liverpool. I really want um, a new long term sporting director of football at Liverpool because as much as the article you t- touched upon there points to the, the good job Schmacker did over the summer, explains some of the sort of ill fated transfer sagas if you like. Um, and says it wasn't really his fault which I'm understanding but for me it's more the fact that we know Schmadke is going to walk away from this in the not too distant future so we need the guy we need the Michael Edwards we need the what Julian Ward was supposed to be we need the one who's going to be the long term figurehead who can sort of bring it all together and be Jürgen Klopp's sort of right hand man in the transfer department and the one he trusts much like Michael Edwards was and Abel felt like a good fit he left Leipzig under a bit of a cloud because basically Leipzig said to him he's only been there about 12 months said you need to commit your long-term future to us because there was links to Liverpool, there was links to Bayern Munich and he said, I can't do that. Sorry, so off he went. He's been at Russian Mönchengladbach for like over a decade, done a really good job there. So Abel made a lot of sense. A lot of sense. Paul Mitchell is another one who makes a lot of sense, albeit a Mancunian. And um, being linked with Ma- the Manchester And he's now been heavily linked to the Manchester United job, yeah. So those two perhaps not on the cards um, but I just think, like I say, we need the guy. The guy who's going to be here for the next two, three, four, five years, whatever it may be and I don't think that's so that's where I'm out of it really it's funny isn't it because the athletic stuff feels and I, I look, it's written by James Pierce we know James very well so the, he gets a lot of this like oh mouthpiece for blah 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 blah. it's not but it, it, it was quite interesting to hear I'm not, I've not honestly not thought about York Schmadke since the transfer windows closed Chris but there was a point a month before it closed where everyone was going who the fuck is this guy and what the fuck is he meant to be doing um, But it, I, so I'd not really considered whether Liverpool had had a good transfer window really or not we just started the season well we've got some good players sure but I didn't really thought about who was responsible or whatever but the article goes to not great lengths but it does kind of highlight well you know we signed three lads from the Bundesliga <laughs> so you know which is where he'd effectively come from so he's definitely had a, a hand in that um, but it's Dan's not wrong also. This is a guy we've brought out of retirement. No one's quite certain exactly what his role is within the club. And there's also an issue here where the longer we get this runs, the closer you end up in a very similar situation to this this summer where the end of the season's reached, the the big important summer transfer window hits and who's actually in charge of bringing the players in. It depends what the role is, to be honest with you, before you get into it, because obviously I think that role has probably changed from only a couple of years ago where Michael Edwards was doing it to what George uh, Smacker is doing now, because it feels like, and I think a lot of people have talked about this, how Jürgen's had a little bit more influence on things. Now, it feels like this is just the negotiator's role. And to be honest with you, I kind of think that anybody can negotiate it if they're a good negotiator. But what we're asking for with Max, for example, is to come in and run the whole operation. And that might not be what Liverpool are looking for anymore. It might be someone to interpret the data, get the needs of Jürgen Klopp and go out and negotiate on that type of a basis and you might not need a director of football in the right way I'm very much with Dan on this by the way I do think we need to go back and excuse me roll to the Michael Edwards type of a role where you know it's sort of if Jürgen walks away in 2026 you're in a much better position for the future of the football club if Jürgen signs next week until 2028 2029 then you might want a bit more of a negotiator to be in there so there's clarity needed for me before I can make a decision on what who the best person is for the role because the role's different now it's intimated in there in that Chloe that ultimately we've always known Klopp's the guy who has the final say but it, it was phrased more this way of like Klopp gets the players that he wants which does sort of and that might just be how it's written not how it's meant but to Chris's point it feels like Jürgen's got a little bit more power at the moment and like again that, that's kind of right is that when Jürgen moves on that might be the chance to push the reset button and go back to young coach experienced 
DOF and then you can kind of put a, a solid place, a solid system in place. But right now, they need to find someone who works perfectly with Jürgen Klopp because there's no point in upsetting what does work at the football club. Yeah, it's it, it's hard because I want stability and stability for me makes more sense to go with, you know, what, what Dan and Chris would prefer. But obviously by doing that, are oh, you upsetting the chemistry between what Jürgen Klopp wants and how he likes to operate? Um, and Jürgen Klopp is a, a very demanding coach, I'd imagine. We've seen him with, with previous um, players. We don't just go and buy second best. If there's someone that Jürgen wants, he'll wait for them. Um, and we've kind seen it now with a, with a DM we went in for the, the best one that there is and then we had to kind of because we'd acted a bit too fast now we've got a stopgap and now it's who's next um, but yeah when Dan gets excited enough to skip on the way to the shop that is when <laughs> I, that's, that got me you, a little bit excited you skipped Dan got thrown under the bus with uh, that well done I did, no, I did. I'm happy to admit it I'd have said it myself if you didn't uh, yeah. I really wanted Abel I did I think he's his record in Germany's outstanding and he's just just the type of guy because he's not Edwards 2.0 and he's not Jörg Schmadke he sits right in that sweet spot in the middle whereby he could work with Klopp he could get the deals done and he understands the data side of things so if you've got Will Spearman and people like that in the background he could work sort of he could oversee all of that perfectly whereas Schmadke to me is just a deal guy he goes into the room, gets a deal done. He doesn't understand the numbers and all that type of stuff that's going on. He, he leaves that to completely different people. But I just think we need this sort of overseeing perfect fit. You can just sort of bring everything together. And that is Max Abel, personally. The the other thing is, is like, I saw a couple of people on, on Twitter, and I think it might have been David who, who wrote Dave a Compton, piece. Yeah. Um, and it was something, that someone questioned him and was like, he's doing this in the Bundesliga. He's, he's picking out, like, great players, sure, but you're under a lot of pressure for those players to become gems at Liverpool. And uh, what, he, what he basically said was, was that you're picking out players for the future and under the... the the likes of Jürgen Klopp yet there's a lot of pressure but you're getting these stars into us to yeah. begin with and to develop them at a you know a, a massive football club where at the moment they will get chances um, so yeah I, I think his track record is much better than Smadka's and I'd like to see him um be at the top of, of Liverpool Sport and Director Place, but I'm not I'm not actually sure how likely that is to happen anymore because it seems like you've lost your excitement a little bit and I go based off that. Yeah. <laughs> it isn't just to know you were kind of saying that Chris like what is what is the role? What what are you doing? What are you what are you coming in for? Because that's an interesting point is that Liverpool I think people look at this a lot and go I saw people saying um, we paid uh, like two hundred million pounds to effectively Red Bull teams for a variety of their players over the years, who they bought in for a fraction of that price. This is, you know, if we can get this guy, can can do that for us. It doesn't quite work that way at Liverpool no. because we don't, we actually don't need to go and buy the half a million, two and a half million, three million yeah. players. We do need them a little bit further along, a bit more. But that's the, that's because of the way that the clubs run. Ultimately, like if you've, you, we've got a guy. If, is it? What does Fallows do? Chief Scouts, I think. Oh, Chief Scouts. Who's the guy who runs like the, um, not just the under 23s, but where they go on loan and head of loans and all that, Lark? Like, if we had a big partnership, and who is it? Hunter. Barry Hunter. Barry Hunter. Maybe, yeah. So, if we had someone who's in charge and really like, you you almost grow Liverpool's operations in that regard. Mm -hmm. You get more second clubs, third clubs type of thing, like the Red Bull group. You know, ultimately there's fed in from, you know, uh, Austria to Germany and then, then they'd blow up and go to play, you know, places like Liverpool, Bayern Munich, et cetera, et cetera. Chelsea have always, I thought, done it quite well for, for England where they hoover up all the young talent. They go out on loan, they make loads of money off their younger players. We've never really got our arms around that now. If you're looking for somebody to do that, where Liverpool can get that sort of half a million pound player and develop them under their umbrella over the course of four or five years before they hit the 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 Reds, the actual Liverpool team, then that's brilliant. But that's a completely different. It's a complete pivot on what we've been doing. So you might need somebody like Bax who, who's able to understand that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that's a whole side of the club that we don't have at the moment. I don't think anyway. There's obviously Liverpool buy do buy young players, don't they? You know what I mean? We've actually with the one thing that's been consistent. What everyone's been going, Liverpool don't invest, don't don't buy players. We've consistently bought under 18s mm -hmm. throughout this whole this whole sort of period. Obviously, Doak's the current one, the most current ones, but uh, Kate Gordon was another recent recent example, and and so on. Is it's just interesting to know, like, what is your 
what is your job? How much of it is scouting? How much of it is data? How much of it is just operating a team? How much of it is negotiations? You know, what what does your actual yeah, you know, what does your actual job look like? And I, it's it's funny because with Michael Edwards, it was a harder job because you've got to you've got to do the climb, but it's it's much easier when there's lots of problems to solve and you you inventing solutions as you go along. Whereas Liverpool should have all the systems in place and actually you could probably just do with a plug and play guy who's just very good at overseeing as, as a variety of expertise or whatever but this goes back to it we don't really understand the role to the point I've, I've just found out Liverpool director of loan management is called David Woodfine yeah. Uh, okay, yeah who confirmed his exit according to this article this summer in on the 15th of May this year so I've no idea but if you want those 18 year olds to develop properly like, and, and I'm talking like you know, not the punts, like the, the ones where it's Haaland or something like that. Then you need somebody like that in place who's yeah. going to manage that side of things. I think Liverpool need it. Liverpool need a series of feeder clubs if we're going to ever to be like that, aren't we? You know, because we... Yeah, that low market is so volatile in how we how we do things. It'd be nice to have that connection. You don't know, but that might come down. I think that's a different conversation for a different day. But it will be... I th- yeah, I don't know if a Mike. What I don't know. Yeah, is it, is it another Michael Edwards we're looking for? Or is it someone who's got a different skill set? It might just be a contact book thing because it's not about going out and finding eighteen-year-olds because we've got scouts and we've mm-hmm. got data analysts who can tell you whether they are worth scouting or not. But actually, someone who just knows how to talk to the Leipzig, you know, to, to the Red Bull group, or has got a, you know knows other director of football from other other clubs and blah blah blah. Yeah, we, we, I guess we can't know. But what it leads on to is, uh, and it's uh, the general sense I got from Pierce's article, is one that, and it's Ian, there's a bit from Ian Aaron there, who, and I felt so much more confident about how Liverpool were doing things from interviewing Ian and, and for the Bobby Doc in the summer, of like him just describing the process and how Liverpool manage things and what, and what have you. It does feel like it's everything's settling down a touch. Um, I don't know what you think, Dan, but you know. Being better on the pitch is a big part of this. Seeing the players that have been bought, helping that be a thing has, has taken a lot of pressure off those. They're securing the minority investment. It was actually mentioned of like the ownership stuff's been kind of put to bed. Not for everyone, by the way. I think people, obviously, there's some people who are just desperate for, for a total takeover of the football mm-hmm. club, but it's taken that off the table. You know, that's not something that looks like they're, they're actively searching for anymore. Okay, it's not done, and there's still some issues over the Annie Road, but it, it, there's been work being done on it all, again. All of a sudden, so like two months ago, it felt like we were an absolute shit show, and now I can see a world where I could see Liverpool actually getting back, back on track. Again. Well, it, it stemmed back further than that, to be honest with you. Like what was happening on the pitch at times last season was, and it felt like a reflection off the pitch. Because if we weren't talking about disappointing performances and what we'd seen in front of our eyes, we were talking about people and important people leaving the club, and it was like, God, they're really making a mess of this. And what was so frustrating at times last season is Jurgen Klopp and other people have sort of prided what Liverpool were doing on being a collective effort and so much of it was sort of put on the fact that we did have the best in class in positions all, all the way throughout the club and it was like FSG for all their faults they've got good people in and it's a well-run model and it's strategic and that word stability is absolutely pivotal whilst we were competing against states essentially Liverpool had this X factor we had this edge because we had these people and we had these systems we had this way we did business and it just worked seamlessly and then all of a sudden Michael Edwards leaves and his successor Julian Ward decides after 10 months that he's not sticking around either it will people leave. Ian Graham moves on as well and you're like wow hang on a minute like everything that made us so brilliant is suddenly unravelling in front of our eyes and it didn't feel like whether FSG were caught on the hop or whatever didn't feel like it had an answer and then you get the takeover of the investment stuff and they're looking for a buyer and all that type of stuff it's like god this is getting real messy real quick so and you're then right. you bring someone out of retirement to take exactly and even that is a bit of massive he's left working field. in Germany at the time exactly. left field as you like literally and he's by all accounts I spoke to um, Hollingstein at the time he's like oh this guy guy's a bit of a volatile character like if he gets in front of the press he could say some stuff that Liverpool aren't going to like and you're like what are you doing like yeah. what what decision all this sort of clear thinking and the decision making had been so brilliant for so many years all of a sudden in the space like 12 months it felt like it was just getting all thrown out the window but now to come full circle on it you're right it does feel like it's settling down a little bit and you might have sort of pinned some more hopes on Schmadka for a shorter term but I think there does need to be an answer there that's one of the remaining questions for me whereby we don't have the guy I still feel like that's the one that we're missing it's it's just that thing isn't it Chris is that 
I have been sat with Liverpool at the top of the mountain, or at least right on, right on the, the upper echelons of footy, and going, "Oh, this is all great. They've managed to get it all working." That's you know, you you marvel at all these players we've assembled, these great games, great performances, and you know there is that fear when it feels like it's unraveling. Of was this just a moment in time? Because we'll we'll quite happily sit here and go, "Ha ha ha!" Brighton scoff. We're the envy of everyone right now. But let's face it, they're just the next Southampton in waiting. We see this all the time. Clubs who just they punch above their weight, they get a they get and a they good headwind it for so long. Exactly, it's a law of diminishing returns. Eventually, the magic wears off because unless you've got the most money, inevitably you, you just you have to find clever ways, and money always wins out. And that's been the biggest underlying fear with Liverpool is because City are never going to not have this money while they're still owned the way that they're owned. And it's like, oh, is it now? Is that our time done? Whereas that's, I, I don't know how you feel. It's probably still early days to be totally confident about it, but it does feel far more like that likely that Liverpool will get back to being a, be able to punch up again. It does, as long as we've got Jürgen Klopp in charge, I'll always think there's a chance of us getting back to the top of the mountain because he's the difference maker for us, for all the, the good work that FSG and, and those people, Michael Edwards and Julian Ward did. Jürgen Klopp's what elevates the squad and makes them and coaches those players to be good players. You can bring great players in, but with, with shit coaching, they're not going to become world beaters they're not going to become world class players who go on and win things you know you've seen that the football history is littered with talented footballers that have never achieved anything because the coaching wasn't right and stuff so yeah yeah while Jürgen Klopp's there of course I think it feels like we're settling down it feels like we're settling down more from the fact that we've essentially rebuilt two areas of our team we've essentially we last season we rebuilt the attack this season we've rebuilt the midfield there's still probably a defensive rebuild to do over the next year or so and then it will settle down even more but it looks like when you look at the team now we've got the right players We've got brilliant footballers who can go on and improve and be coached by Jürgen and get get to the sort of top of the tree. So while he's there, we can do anything. Uh, Claire, I'll get your thoughts on that uh, just to wrap up. But Plu here in the comments says, uh, Brighton do have a rich owner though. Yeah, but, but but the point is Brighton don't have a 50,000, 60,000 capacity stadium. They don't have the global revenues. They don't have the global fan base. All the things that you actually need to be able to sustain yourself as a top force, it's, to get there takes... And they won't have the manager if they can like well, exactly, you know, and that's the thing. And they, right now, they they are in a pool below. And you're right; all the best players get poached by teams above, and the managers are going to continue to get poached. How do you sustain that before you get to the top? Is the big is and the big. He's thing. rich, but he's not like Man City, Newcastle. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's rich. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how are you feeling about Everton Club? I'm excited. Uh, I've had two very, very boring weeks uh, without um, Club Footy. I'm excited to see the Reds back. Uh, I'm hoping, you know, that, I mean, we've all been on national duty. So when when I say break, half of us haven't have had a break. Um, but I'm excited to, to get back at Anfield. I'm excited for the derby to be the first one. Hopefully it sets the tempo um, and we go on a boss on a form until another boring international break again. Uh, but I'm just excited. The, this team um i've bought into absolutely everything the players the manager obviously um but every single player in that dressing room i i, I adore I, I can get behind them fully support um and at this moment in time they're giving me hope and they're letting me dream and believe and if they can keep doing that and and put us uh in with a with a shout um, for the rest of the season, then it's another boss ride uh, watching the Reds, and and that's all that we really can ask for. I am um, given the the absolute shit show that is like Manchester United and the ongoing <laughs> problems with the Chelsea, even though they have all the things that I think a lot of people clamouring Liverpool to have over the over the summer, and they'll get back to they'll get back to being a good side eventually. Both of them will. I do not want Raheem Sterling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just put down. Let's have <laughs> um, Yeah, it's just it's nice to once the footy's underway and it's not all in hypothetical. You start to have some physical evidence to back up whether you should be think it's okay or think it's fucked or or whatever. Um, it is nice to kind of look around and go, yeah, we're not. We're just not the head news story anymore we're not the absolute banter fodder anymore everything just seems to be kind of ticking along everyone's talking about Tottenham people mm-hmm. are talking about Manchester City people are talking about Man United nobody and, and I know a week ago and a half ago everyone was talking about Liverpool for completely different reasons but I'm glad that we're not like 
we're not favourites for the title. I'm glad no one really thinks it. There's still like really respected journalists and pundits who think Liverpool are have got are a mess and they've got loads of issues. Whereas it's kind of nice to kind of take a bit of a straw polar on the fan base and go, "He's all right. You're all right. You're all right." Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm all right with it too. Actually, I think we're doing all right. So yeah, good. Long may long may that continue. Uh, right, we're going to be carrying on the conversation over on the Biased Football Podcast over on RedmenPlus.com. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at the fixtures in this little spell for Manchester City, for Tottenham Hotspur and for Arsenal. Yes, uh, they're the other team that are in there. Uh, and I have a little bit of a chat around the teams in that little court below us, the Newcastles, Villas, Brightons, etc. And, see whether and we the think ones any below them. them, which are Manchester United and Chelsea. Hmm. Correct, Amundo. Uh, we're going to be and below them. Everton Football <laughs> Club. <laughs> below, below, below. Um, yeah. Yes, we're going to have a good old chat around Man United's current woes as well as they've agreed or, or on the verge of agreeing minority investment. But all it's done is make their fans even more angry. Gary Neville's put like a 7,000 word uh, manifesto out on Twitter. Um, the you Prime Minister the, of Football's kicking off. Paul, the paper version of that tweet was unbelievable. He was he was cutting out fucking headlines from newspapers and doing it like a ransom <laughs> note. <laughs> Brilliant. Um so yeah we're going to be discussing all that Jamie Callagher having a laugh at his expense as well uh, yeah so come and join us over on the Bias Football Podcast over on redmenplus.com you can get it in video live uh, if you're right here now head over there and you'll be able to sign up and get it in time uh, or you can listen to it after the fact uh, in podcast form as well so thank you so much uh, guys absolute pleasure uh, look forward to the derby there'll be a match preview later on in the week uh, and of course we'll be live for the watch alongs uh, at the weekend as well so thank you so much for joining us have a boss week Ta-da. 